Hey there, listeners. Episode 15 of the Passive Hang podcast. I have an awesome guest today. His name is Hildeson Joachim. Had to practice saying that name a couple of times, so hopefully got it right there. Joachim is a trainer from Ghent, Belgium, uh, and he has made a bit of a name for himself in the mobility space, and rightly so, because when you go onto his page, you'll see that this guy is one person who walks the walk. He's got these extreme, crazy ranges, allowing him to do incredible feats of strength with his body, things that I haven't really seen before. The first time I came across his page, I think I saw him doing this sort of levitation move where he was pushing on the outside of his feet from a kneeling position and he went from all the way from kneeling to, to standing and I'd, I'd never even thought that that was, that was possible. And over the recent times, I've been following his journey and seeing how he's gone across to other places of the world, including Bali and Australia. So he's been featured down here a few times, putting on some workshops. So I know that he's been highly regarded by his peers. And so I was really excited to get him onto the podcast and ask him a few questions because I think that the game of mobility in particular is is one that sometimes causes a lot of confusion for a lot of people and there seems to be a lot of conflicting separate methods so i really got down into asking Joachim on his take about the whole game and i guess what his methods were and i was really surprised and taken back about just about how he clearly explained things so i asked him about principles of mobility training and all that sort of thing and he was able to articulate this very clearly very um once you hear it 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 makes a lot of sense other than that Joachim is just a guy who's really easy and fun to talk to this chat goes on for a little longer than normal and that just reflects the vibe that i felt whilst we were recording it just felt really natural and felt like we were just having a really easy flowing conversation so I hope you guys enjoy this one. We cover a bit about Joachim's story, about his background, where he comes from, and then we dig into the juicy stuff, which is all about, you know, mobility training and insights. So this is episode 15 of the Passive Hang podcast. My name's Fayon, and here we go. Welcome everyone, once again, to the Passive Hang podcast. Really excited once again to have this special guest um correct me if i pronounce this wrong but i did practice just then joachim (laughs) yes that's the best one yet perfect who is uh, a specialist i think from what i can gather on instagram around with mobility training right um and you come from belgium uh so yes yeah i've been following your journey for quite some time with i think initially I think I saw you do this crazy um, like toe lift when you're kind of like sitting on your toes Then you, in, in Caesar, then you kind of like levitate all the way up. And I was like, okay, I haven't seen that before. What's with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was um, something that came, came to me. Uh, yeah. I was eating a sandwich actually one day and I thought maybe I could lift off on my toes. That would be cool. And then I did it the next day. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty fun. I, I started rolling with it. Uh, well, I, that's a little bit different to my experience when I kind of was like, ah, I saw it. I was like, that's kind of cool. I tried it, made it a few centimeters, then was like, I should probably stop now. 
yeah yeah well um yeah really excited just to have this chat with you um the way i like to kick things off is just to hand it over to you and maybe just ask you yeah maybe do a bit of an introduction as to who you are where you're based um and how you have sort of sort of got into this style of training that you're doing now mm, good question um so as you said Joachim is my name and i'm a personal trainer uh, in Ghent, Belgium. Um, I have have a whole different background of what I'm doing now. I've only been doing this for three years and a half, maybe coming up to four years max. Mm. Um, I'm 33 years old right now. Um, mm. So I started somewhere in my 29th year, 29 and a half, something, something like that. Um, but um, my history actually is, I, I was in bodybuilding for a long time. Mm. Um, young kid, underweight when I grew up, always. Like really this, this small guy. And always, like when I was super little, I, always, I, I liked, you know, like a, a big physiques and, and athleticism and, and muscle. It was something that fascinates me. So also the, the culture, you know, you, you, Australia is, is better than most countries, man. But um mm. And still, there's a lot of fitness 24s and whatever, and just the regular, you know, gym culture based upon the bodybuilding type training from from the early 70s, 80s, whatever. Hmm. Um, so that's the only thing you do here, especially when I was when I started. I started at 14, you know, doing fitness, just getting involved in the fitness industry. Um, as somebody who wanted to practice it myself, and the only thing that we knew. And that is, what is it, six, uh, um, 18 years ago? Shit, or something like that, um, which is a long time ago and not too much uh, Instagram or whatever. Like the only culture we knew was the, the, the fitness culture. And uh, mm. I got stuck in like a big bodybuilding gym, a lot of good athletes, a lot of Belgian champions there and uh, just monster physiques. And I got caught up in it and... Did that for 10 years straight, 10 years, just Hmm. straight up bodybuilding. I got good at it. Of course, it's not that complex and, um, but it's, it's not that rewarding. You know, you gain some, you lose some, Hmm. uh, where does it go? Got a couple of injuries as well. Uh, a couple of knee surgeries, a couple of elbow problems. My cartilage is pretty much gone in both elbows. Um, and, um, and was that from, I needed it the actual bodybuilding practice itself or yeah most most likely yeah i i started i did a lot of for example skull crushers and stuff Mm. and um, i also have like i have these elbows that don't really bend um this is my elbow flexion Mm. and it has been like this my entire life and i put a lot of strain on the elbow joint and Mm. what did i know i didn't know anything about anything and i probably yeah i probably made a couple of mistakes because realistically you're in a bro gym with bro science and and that's Mm. the only thing you hear you know we weren't that educated so i'm pretty sure i made some some bad mistakes as well um um, but it did teach me a lot about discipline and that is something that i still carry with me uh, until today but um yeah I, i stopped completely after after that decade and actually, I did a couple of years of nothing, got a job that I really didn't like. And uh, 
uh, just stopped training and I didn't really feel good about it. Like mm. not training is, is, is hard. You know, if it's in your body, it's, uh, you need to do like something. But um, long story short, I met a guy that I used to be in school with and he was a personal trainer and he was trying to expand his company. Mm-hmm. And I had that decade of bodybuilding behind me, but I quit training for a couple of years already. But he said, I just was starting to get into training on myself a little bit. He said, I need people. I know you. You've got a lot of experience in that one area. I'm, I'm doing something different now. He was more into functional training, fibers, mm-hmm. training for health, uh, 3D movement, all that stuff. He gave me an opportunity to work in his gym. And then I started developing as a personal trainer. And then I started being exposed to different methods uh, as more functional type training and mm. the, the, the planes of rotation and all that stuff. And uh, um, I just got bit by different, different things, started learning a lot, did a couple of courses, and then just by installing Instagram on my phone, man, like that's when that's when I saw the GST and the flexibility. And then Mm. I saw people like doing amazing things that were requiring so much strength, but also so much flexibility. And Mm. I have never seen anything like that or never even contemplated that it was like a little culture within the fitness industry of people Mm. doing these things like the bro gymnastics and stuff. And I was like, this is cool. (laughs) Um, And then it started the hard and difficult road um, that I am still suffering through today. <laughs> you know, coming from 10 years of bodybuilding and, and desk jobs and just spending a lot of time in school and like never mm. doing anything mobility related. Like I've been to physios many times and the only thing they tell me is you're not flexible. This, this you know, your, your internal rotation is gone. Your cartilage is gone here. Your knee is fucked there. And they're good <laughs> at telling you what you're bad at, you know, like physios are, and then the solutions is like, eh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but this is bad, you know? Like, yeah. So the, 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 the road has been and still is very long. Some things work better, other things not. But I think mm. that, that, you know, I'm a coach now. And I think part of the reason why I'm a coach is because I actually am not good at this. And I need to work really hard and I need to go through all these progressions mm. to get there. So I really have a feeling with people who are starting out because I've, I've really been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think if you're as a coach and you're not really too many steps ahead of your clients, mm-hmm. look at uh, Andre Bodarenko, for example. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's a child elite <laughs> gymnast. So if yep. you go to a workshop of his and you're kind of a beginner, it's going to be hard. Like he's going to Mm. tell you to do something ridiculous that you've never, you know, seen before. But if you have a little bit uh, of feeling with what it is to be that person, I think, and you've made a lot of mistakes. Of course, I made so many mistakes that I learned from. And then Mm. that, I I think that benefits me now as a coach. So it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes I wish I was further down the road. Of course we all do, you know, we're striving towards these, these nice things, but, it's uh it's good for my profession i think yeah Hmm. yeah i think that um that point with being able to still understand where people are coming from you know the the more that you get more advanced in your own personal practice then the further you go away from you know just that entry level beginner right uh 
I've, exactly. I've struggled with that sometimes with just the people around me as well. And I forget, I'm like, ah, oh, like maybe I have grown stronger now as well because I just, I just do that. But then yeah. when I try to explain it to them, then I have to think, oh, actually I have to really break it down in a different way or make it a lot mm. easier than what I think is just simple because it's just become normal yeah. for me now. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And um, yeah, you, you need to remember the steps, uh, mm. what it was and how it felt. Like I try to remember these things a lot of the time. Like how did it, how did it feel at this level? I try to kind of, mm. I, tr- I try to note down different steps in the same process. Like I yep. want, I'm here now, I want to get there and just every benchmark, I try to take note of that and be aware of it so I can like, place people in certain categories and then just work them up from there. Well, I think that's part of like becoming aware of the process, right? Like you're experimenting with your own process and then taking notes and um, with that, then you can apply it for others. Um, During during your bodybuilding years, were you also a, a, a trainer or were you working something else? Like is becoming a coach something very new for you? I, I wasn't, I, for the most part, no, for the entire part, I was studying. Hmm. Um, I started at, at 14 and ended at 24, but I went to high school, of course, and then I was addicted back then. And then I went to college and it took me a little longer to get a degree than most people. Uh, I just don't do good in school. and. Hmm. It's not for me. I, I, I like to learn, but differently. If, mm. it, if I'm passionate about it, I'm going to learn a lot. Um, and I'm a good visual learner. I see people do stuff. I pick it up. I see them do it and explain it. I like workshops, man. I pick up so much. Mm. But like reading and stuff and books, that's actually I'm not too good at that. Um, mm. So, but it was very important for my family. And pretty. Um, conservative and my father is a doctor and he studied a lot and mm. like get your degree you must have a degree um was the thing and uh, so for the most part of my bodybuilding years i was just studying i did marketing i actually hate it i don't know anything about marketing um, <laughs> it's, it's such a weird thing i had a friend that was doing marketing and I'm, i was like yeah sure i'll do it i don't know what else to do so um so that was just me on the school just yeah actually more just enjoying a little bit of the student life and just mm. barely passing grades. Um, and then being a trainer, I've been a trainer for a while, you know, like I, I, I then stopped for a couple of years and then I got a job as a personal trainer. So I think I am a personal trainer. Fuck. I don't, it's somewhere between five and six years, I think, mm-hmm. but I've done a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of people in the gym that I work at. It's, there's a lot of people, of course, a personal training ch- studio like that. They charge a little bit of money. So it's more for people who are a little bit more wealthy mm-hmm. and people who are a little bit more wealthy usually are, you know, uh, high professionals. So they have good jobs. They're oftentimes a little bit o- older. So we have a lot of people. We have people in their 30s, but we have a lot of people in their 40s, maybe mm-hmm. 50s as well. Um, that are doing good at work so they, they oftentimes they just want a little bit of a workout 
and that's it. Or they want the feeling that they had a workout mm. or they want to pay somebody and tell other people that they have a personal trainer. Like it's something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not really, um, as I specialize more, I like to work with people who are very passionate and people who have specific goals that I can help mm. them with. Uh, that's more and more what I'm doing. Uh, although I still train, uh, still train some people that, uh, just want to get a little bit of a workout in, but I'm, uh, moving my way up uh, and away from that because I, I want to work uh, where my passion is more. Yeah. Was there like a, a turning point at a certain place where you're kind of like, oh, maybe I can start specializing in um, this this one area of, is, mm. it mobi- is it mobility that you describe yourself in or do you, h- how would you describe what you like to teach? Yeah. Uh, thing is, it's, I, I'm a mobility coach by accident. I would, I would say, <laughs> because I, uh, I, I started following a couple of people, very strong, very flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what appealed to me at first, when I was 29 and a half, like what appealed was uh, the rings and certain static bodyweight skills, like mm-hmm. whatever V sits and planches and stuff. And I had. My goal was to get really strong. Also get in flexibility Mm -hmm. because it looks way prettier when you're flexible, but to get really strong. And I started playing with that, but I had two problems. Problem one was I had never trained this style before and I haven't really researched it too much. Mm -hmm. I start doing and then I learn. And that's how you make mistakes as well, of course. So I didn't really know a lot about frequency volume, uh, deloading, all that stuff was new to me. Because in my bodybuilding years, I did a split of muscle six mm. days a week, never got overworked. Because, you know, you just pump up your arms yeah. and you don't go too heavy. Eventually, you know, you learn that heavy weight lifting doesn't really, uh, for me and my structure, I, I like to keep it semi-light mm-hmm. or just mediocre and just pump the muscles, you know. You don't mm. get overworked like that too much. I had my elbows eventually, but... Um, it's, it's usually in a decade, it's usually fine. Plus you're younger mm-hmm. and you can do a lot of shit wrong when you're younger. Uh, I just started doing, I, that was, I didn't know periodization and I really wanted to get good fast. So mm-hmm. I got stronger weight pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but also got gnarly and flame because at mm-hmm. the time I had a lot of, I had some issues, uh, psychological, my relationship, I had, tough time in my twenties with relationships. I Mm. got caught in different things and it really, it, uh, yeah, it really played a big trick on my mind. And, um, thing is you don't sleep well, Mm. you don't eat well, maybe you drink a little bit too much alcohol. And on top of that, you're training too much because it's also (laughs) a way to escape, you know, the mind gets, I, I shut the one thing for me is so mindful to train because I shut off my mind. If I'm thinking about things all day and then I want to, then I go train, my blood starts flowing and I think about the, the things that I'm doing. So I love to train. Uh, and back then it was also an escape. So mm-hmm. I got injured. I got injured bad. I, again, the elbows from the rings and I didn't want to stop training because mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I didn't want to rest. I didn't want, I wanted to just to keep improving, do what I was doing, just go to work, train three to four hours sometimes. And Mm. 
yeah, I paid the price. I trained with bad inflammation for months mm -hmm. until I just couldn't train anymore. And, and um, at that point, were you getting any guidance from anyone? Was there anybody like around you that you could reach out to or you're just trying to learn everything yourself? Not really. Yeah, I was I was pretty much on myself. I did I did have like I did have what did I have? I did some of the gymnastic body stuff. Mm -hmm. Um but I I always did way more on different things and experimented. Mm. Um so I think that was later. And I had a GMB program as well. Mm -hmm. And there was some pre uh, some progressions missing from the program especially mm. in their muscle up work if i would go back and teach myself muscle ups i would do it completely differently than that program there were really missing steps and definitely elbow prehab steps that they that just weren't in the program so mm. another i don't want to blame anybody of course everybody has their own techniques uh, i would just would do it different um mm -hmm. and um because of the bad injuries that I sustained, I started shifting to mobility. And then I, you know, mm -hmm. um, a couple of things went pretty fast, other things really slow. Well, one of them was compression that went pretty fast, pretty good. Um, starting to get better and better level of mm -hmm. that. And uh, my shoulders in extension and external rotation, like I, I started dislocating at some point and then doing the levitation and people starting like take notice like, Oh, this guy's mm -hmm. doing some cool stuff. And I got some requests like, uh, mm -hmm. do you do coaching? I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't teach online or whatever. Um, but, um, eventually I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe I should start mm. online coaching. You know, I didn't have too much experience in that realm. It's, mm -hmm. it's been a learning curve, man. Yeah. Um, only now I'm really starting to think like, oh, okay, I, I kind of start to know what I'm doing. Like it's two <laughs> years later, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, well, it's such a good learning school. Like I actually wanted to pay body. I don't know if you know the guy, like Body Flex. He's uh, Andre. Yeah. I forgot it. Yeah. And I wanted strength? to pay for his course. He's, yeah, yeah, Andre Strength guy. He's he's pretty awesome. German dude. Um, I wanted to pay for his online coaching. I really, I, I want it. It's, it's never, it's never cheap and mm -hmm. rightfully so it's a lot of work that goes into it. And, you know, you studied a lot mm -hmm. to know the things that you're knowing. So it's, it costs a little bit of money. Um, but I didn't have any money. I was, I think I needed to pay him like 850 euros. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had 950 euros on my bank account like, <laughs> and savings. That was it. Yeah. So I paid him and then I had a hundred euros. I was like, yeah, this is the beginning of the month. Like I'm fucked. So I, I, <laughs> I got on Instagram. I was like, who wants online coaching? And uh, I actually got a fair bit of response. And yeah. um, I didn't know anything about pricing or anything. It was, I needed to look, but then a couple of people signed up. I had a little mm -hmm. bit of money again. I started, I started trying. I still remember my first program I ever made. I was so nervous. It took me too long because I mm -hmm. borrowed a fucking GoPro from somebody and that thing didn't connect to my computer and horrible experience. But the guy, actually, I still know him to, uh, until today. We talk sometimes. He's, uh, he's kind of a friend. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, that's how it got rolling. It's so funny. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, that's such a crazy story. Like, it's like, yeah. I, I really like your approach, right? Like you were just like, 
you know, I really wanted to do that. Like I kind of got this sense of it that, you know, once you started really finding out about this stuff, then you really like to dive deep, right? Like you, you dove into all this gymnastics body stuff. Um, and then you're experimenting a lot and then you found like Andre's stuff and you're like, I really want to do that. And you just made yeah. it happen, right? You're like, even if it's going to take all my money, yeah. um, just, yeah, yeah, just to go. go into it. Yeah. Cause I realized like when you're trying to look at the internet and trying to find stuff that works, you know, it's definitely in the mobility things. I think there's some pretty decent channels out there, like on YouTube or whatever. Like hmm. if you look at fitness FAQs and, and, and calisthenics guys, you know, they've got some pretty good content, you know, hmm. but for flexibility, it's all like, it's all like a flexibility chicks that are super flexible and like five easy steps to the splits. And hmm. like, no, this is not going to work because your hips are already in a split and you're telling me to just it's it's the weird techniques you see online um and i knew that if i wanted to really grow and learn and just make a difference on my body that has you know endured 10 years of bodybuilding and never stretched ever before i was 30 i i knew that i i needed to invest so i i, I grabbed every opportunity that i could to you know oh Emmett Lewis is in Dublin doing a workshop uh, let's cool let's fly over there let's do that mm. FRC is in Germany okay let's fly to Germany do FRC and just Andre okay let's get him as a coach and you know then you start learning and then you can mm. start making informed decisions you know because you really need to invest if you want to get good in anything yeah uh, I would think um, I've always just said this with other people, how mobility sometimes is like this, um, magic black box where sometimes it's hard to know what's kind of going on or what's the actual way to get like more mobile, right? Especially mm. you, you learn or you try to learn about mobility, you search on it on the internet and then there are all these different methods. Like you mentioned a few, like say the FRC stuff, you know, Emmett Lewis seems to have a different approach, um, but even more general public as well. Like if you just YouTube it as well, it can be really super confusing. So of course, how have you sort of navigated through that to, to decide, okay, this is maybe what, what works or this is the one which isn't bullshit like I can trust this one. How has that been for you? Yeah. Well, it's, it's seeing, um, trying to replicate and then feeling the, the outcome of it kind of thing. And what, what, what was ready available on the internet in the day was the only thing that really was ready available was like, um, supple leopard guy, mm. um, uh, Yep. And um, we also had, my boss had his book in the studio. So I kind of started reading through that. And it's just, all right, big problem of mine is, is, is uh, hips and abduction, like middle split stuff. Mm. Adductors, my growing is like never been, never been used in my life. Like really. Me, me too. So, <laughs> yeah. So it takes a very specific approach. And mm. I wish I knew back then, but yeah, I didn't. And I got, a uh, couple of strains and now it you know it's even every strain you have it sets you back takes the confidence away the brain doesn't trust it and then you need to convince it again it's mm. yeah you'd rather not strain yourself well whatever like it, you can pretty much you can pro, you can deal with it well if you know about recovery but um anyways i started 
looking into that, the mobility world. I'll probably watch every video. Mm -hmm. um, but then also watch to the book. And there's some stuff that I got out of it. Like he's good with soft tissue. I mm -hmm. learned soft tissue uh, back then. And I, I still use it a lot as prehab, you know, to not see the physio too often. But mm -hmm. like the mobility part is very, um, for example, uh, you know, if you want to get more open hips, you just sit in some sort of a butterfly on the floor, like one band yanks your knee to one side, and then you have an, an extremely heavy plate on the other leg, and you just try and crank your legs open and just pray to God, hold it for two minutes and just pray mm. to God your hips will open. Like, I, I tried these techniques for a long time. I'm going <laughs> to tell you, as somebody who's not flexible, it's, you get no input to the brain. Yeah. The brain is like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't get this. I don't understand. I'm going to break. Something's going to happen. I'm going to tighten up. I'm going to hold you here. Like, I'm not going to let go. If you're, if you have a good predisposition for flexibility, you, you it can work. Mm. But if your brain doesn't understand, your body will not follow. Mm. Um, so these techniques, they didn't seem, they didn't seem right for me. And, um, I started looking into, I, I, obviously I saw a lot of people doing the GST stuff, um, mm -hmm. uh, people that I started following and, and, and Edo and whatever. And, and so I saw a lot of, you know, a very popular exercise is the Jefferson curl. Mm -hmm. And I still think it's one, that's one of the staples of a good mm -hmm. front fold. You should do it. Um, but then I started into like, oh, the gymnastic realm. I think that's how I landed in with gymnastic bodies. Mm -hmm. and and gmb because he also has uh that dude ryan also has a gymnastic background mm -hmm. um and then they do type drills like the jefferson curl and i really resonated with these type of drills like the lotus stretching and mm -hmm. um it, it i felt some good effects oh and i also understand this mm -hmm. like you it's like bodybuilding but it's mm -hmm. different ranges so mm -hmm. i i I understand it from back then. And um, so, yeah, I tried the gymnastic bodies program. It was uh, affordable for me at the time. But then if you look at the strength to mobility progressions and also like the mobility sessions, again, for a beginner like me, I don't think, I think you, you, you could probably get there eventually, mm -hmm. but it, the, the, the road is going to be so many years uh, mm. to get through everything and especially the strength, but also the mobility. It, yeah. I, I needed something that was more specific to my body. And so, um, yeah. So w what did it take in the end? What, what finally started opening your body up? Yeah. Then I, then I just thought I need online coaches, people that work on my body that see my body and work with me. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I reached out to uh, John, John Yuan. I don't, is that mm -hmm. how you pronounce his name? He's so great. Um, I did two phases under him, but it was mostly strength focused and he's really brilliant in that. And, uh, and um, yeah, that was my first online coach, but I just then like all of my, I, I mentioned some relationship problems in the past and then mm. it all came uh, kind of to bite me in the ass and, and me and my girlfriend just split up and it wasn't too good of a situation. So I wasn't in the best place when I trained under John. I lost a couple of kilos because I really wasn't eating right. And then I started getting like, a couple of injuries after six months of, of training heavy as well. Um, 
So I, but I, I like the experience with John. He's so, he's really smart, uh, programs, very clever. And then after that, I just took a bit of time to regroup and then, um, then just reached out to body flex, did FRC, uh, did the workshop with Emmett Lewis. Like, then I really started to, to look at people. And I think body flex had a very specific style of strength training. Again, that resonates with me. So I think like, all right, this is cool. And I saw effects from the things that he taught me. Mm-hmm. I took notes, what was good for me, what was not good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Emmett's style, it's, it's similar. It's strength. I, I, I only started looking at strength plus, plus flexibility because that's mm-hmm. what I want to achieve. That mm-hmm. makes the most sense to me. I'm also a big fan of passive flexibility for sure. Mm-hmm. But the road, to, the road to flexibility or mobility in my eyes, especially as a beginner, is you need to get the body to understand what you're doing. And I always say this in my workshop, strength means safety and safety means range. Mm-hmm. If you strengthen something, it'll have confidence. Mm. And if it has confidence, it will allow more. And um, so I, I started looking in that realm and then I, I stumbled across, you know, I think Emmett's one of the greats for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to start learning from these people. And then you really start understanding what they're talking about and how to do things. Yeah. Are there any um, maybe like general principles that you can offer up that you would say like, you know, for somebody who wants to have a deeper understanding of, of mobility that you would say, okay, like following these sort of rules, then like you can't sort of go wrong. Like these, these uh, universal rules that apply for mobility strength training. Um, there are, there are rules. Well, first of all, I need to think about this. First of all, you can't train mobility. If you're doing it this way, like more through the strength way, you want to mm-hmm. think, you want to think recovery and you want to think safety, you know, like if mm-hmm. you're training back levers, they're not going to practice every day and just get a back lever. Right. Mm. Cause you'll just overwork yourself. You'll hurt your biceps, your elbows, all that stuff. And this is the same thing in mobility training. Cause I get so many people thinking, all right, um, I'm ready for mobility. Um, I'm just going to do it every day. Mm. I'm going to practice splits every day until I'm good at it. It's not how it works. So that's a misconception that needs to be addressed and people need to see it more as in I'm building up my body. Mm. So I call it bodybuilding as well. I'm building up my body uh, to allow more and more range. So we need to split it up. Hmm. Maybe I'm training middle splits once a week. Maybe I'm doing some compression stuff twice a week. You know, hmm. general rule of thumb, one to twice, once to you train positions once to twice per week. Hmm. And if you think that you're not progressing enough, you should probably reduce volume to once a week if you're hmm. doing it twice a week. That kind of that kind of goes opposite to sometimes what people think, right? It's like, ah, yeah. the splits aren't developing enough. I got to, I got to do it more. Do more. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it's so counterintuitive and I've, I've, that's probably the reason why I, I don't have full splits right now. I, I've gotten very close to the floor in the day and um, just one yoga block hands away. Like I was, yeah, but that was <laughs> like me trying to like force it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing it very high frequency 
and I, I just love to train. So that's my go-to, mm. very high frequency. And I really had to detrain my mind into thinking that's the way. Because every time you progress like fast for a couple of weeks or whatever until mm. your body just snaps and then you just train yourself backwards and help. It, it happens every time. So I used to also program a lot for people when I started out. And I, as I, I can, if you're, if we're talking full body, you're still going to do a lot of work, but I, mm. I, as I'm getting older and more, more experienced, I program less and less work. Mm. So that is one important rule uh, to follow for sure. Um, as well as isometrics are really good in the uh, flexibility thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at if you if you look at the lengthening and shortening range of a joint, mm -hmm. if I if if I want my shoulder to flex to 180 degrees, like all of this lengthens and the posterior shortens, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, especially if you want two things, if you're a beginner, um, it's really good because it's the safest of the contractions and people need to also understand that. Like uh, an isometric contraction don't really has the inflammatory response that a um, concentric and eccentric effort has. Mm. So it's pretty safe to execute. Hmm. And you get that mind muscle connection going on. Cause hmm. let's say that I have my shoulder flexion. It's kind of here, right? But I block this hand and I work isometrically. So I'm not moving, but I'm trying to lift up mm -hmm. um, again, something that is not moving. Like the body likes to accomplish tasks. So it will recruit like more and more muscle fibers. Mm -hmm. As you go along, as the sessions go by, and you get like a fully functioning joint um, that can actually activate and recruit a lot, a lot of muscle fibers. So hmm. it's a safe way of doing things, and it's good to create that mind-muscle connection. Because a lot of times when we start isometrics, mm -hmm. we have no feeling in the joint. Like I don't feel any muscle doing anything. Hmm. And then you do it a couple of sessions, and before you know it, you're fucking cramping up. <laughs> and that's because, you know, the body is looking for things to recruit, to accomplish mm. the task. Of course, we shouldn't stick there, but uh, we should progress to concentric and, and uh, eccentrics. But it's, it's oftentimes a, a safe and effective way of starting uh, your training. Mm. Uh, so that would be another, um, another rule of thumb that you, you probably cannot miss. Um, but you, yeah, then again, like it hasn't been, you, you don't really see too much uh, uh, YouTube flexible chicks talking about the, the strength of isometrics, of course. Uh, mm. So <laughs> these, uh, these things are, uh, yeah. And, and then another one, I'm going to give you one more, then I have three that's pretty good. Um, oftentimes, it's really good to, to just, and this is an easy way of thinking, and it's also in line with the bodybuilding principle. If you, if you, if you look at what shortens and what lengthens mm -hmm. in your muscles, and it doesn't have to be anatomically correct. Like back stuff shortens, front stuff like, uh, lengthens. That's, mm -hmm. that's good enough to know. Um, if you want to get that open then, mm. you just strength train both areas mm -hmm. in a session. You find yeah. a way to strength train both areas. And usually it works really well. So, for example, I could do like the isometric because I'm just starting for flexion and then do some mm -hmm. reps after. And then I just 
uh, lay my back flat on a bench and do dumbbell pullovers mm-hmm. with load. And that's it. I'm, I'm strengthening both sides and I slowly get results. Of course, mm. shoulders, there's also rotation involved. And to really, really open your shoulders, you have to look at internal rotation as well. But like for the most part, like if you look at the body like this, it's so effective. Middle splits, glutes shorten, adductors lengthen. How can I straight, uh, strengthen my glutes? I do some type of leg lifts to the side, you know, maybe the load, maybe, you know, and then isometrics or other straddle ups, whatever, you know, mm. you get it. It's, um, it's kind of like thinking it's a good about, way of thinking. about things in pairs, right? Like if you, yeah. if you pair them for, for both sides, um, trying to yeah. do the same action and try to resistance train it in the, in the same action, then this, this should help keep strengthening the body to yeah. become yeah. comfortable in that new range, right? Yeah, definitely. And you, you just look at what can I do today? Like progress is never linear. So you, you can't expect, especially in this mobility game, you cannot expect to get better every session. You're going to go like this. Mm. It's every time like that. And if you expect change every session for the better, you're going to, chances are you're going to end up hurting yourself as well. Cause you have that frustrating day that it doesn't work and you're mm. 10 centimeters higher than you were. Then you just accept it. You, you accept it and you just train what you can do that day. Every day is a new evaluation. And we just know that in the long term, we're going to go like this. But we can't force it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very important just to take it session by session and know that it's not linear. And just do what we can do on that day and just stay mm-hmm. safe. And, but do strength train and take a deload once in a while because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started appreciating it more, uh, more and more the last year. Again, yeah. I love to train, but mm-hmm. deloading—you come back after a week, you're so much fresher. You know, so big. I think those are some of the important lessons that we learn on this journey, right? Like when you're young, you kind of just keep on wanting to go into the gym, smashing it every session as well, and then um, yeah. as you seek longevity, I guess in in the game, mm. then those yeah you have to take time off, right? Like you can't keep on going even 80% yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's, it's so important, man. It's, it's one of these things where we're not talking about just stimulating some muscle tissue to grow bigger. Mm. We're actually trying to, uh, ingrain a lot of the times, you know, complex motor patterns into our system. Mm-hmm. through handstands or complex or gymnastics or, or whatever floor work movements, or we're trying to take a body that is set in its ways and, and the body likes, you know, homeostasis likes, likes to stay the same. And then I'm trying to get my hips to do this and then this and then this and then this. It's not, it's not just pumping some muscles. It's really retraining the brain to allow so much more range and, if you do this, it's so taxing on your brain and on your nervous system that, you know, if you, if you, even if you're on a perfect program, um, you train for five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 weeks straight, chances are that you're going to start feeling like, mm. oh, I'm starting to feel a little bit fatigued here, man. Like I'm starting to feel a little bit, I'm still training. It's still going, but. I'm not feeling like a couple of weeks ago. And then it's so smart to just do a week of nothing. Mm-hmm. And just, I get anxious, man. I just, <laughs> I just, 
it's Wednesday. All right, I'm gonna start training there on Monday. How many days is that? Yeah, fuck. Like, what, what am I gonna do? I don't know what to do with my life. But, but I think then you start again. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like that's like the hardest week for all of us. Uh, you know, oh, man. like there's like the the people who sit on one side, which are like they struggle to really get into training and then it's like you're into yeah. training and then you really struggle to get out of training, but that is what's yeah. going to help you the most. It is. And, um, I, I do like it though in this industry and with, uh, people that are a little bit more like-minded to us and the getting out of training is so hard, but it just shows passion, you know? And mm. once you really start to feel, what the benefits is of deloading and this and that you just start doing it, even though you're fucking anxious to go back to the gym. But in the, in the other profession that I have as a, just a normal personal trainer, mm. you, 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 you constantly deal with the people who struggle to get into training mm. or to change one little habit mm. for the better. Cause they ask you, they pay you a lot of money for things mm. and then they can't do one little habit. And it's like, take my money but i don't want to do anything and i'm not going to change anyways so that happens a lot and i get frustrated with that like i'm not i'm i've, I've got i work with people and they're really good in like habit-based coaching and they really get a little bit into the psychology of things because a lot of people need a psychologist and not really a trainer mm. but they get as a trainer into the psychology aspect of things and they do it really good and i respect them and it's a, it's a whole mother profession mm. um, but I'm like a sort of person that if you ask me help, I'm going to tell you, you know, of course I listen. Mm. How much time do you have? What, what you want to achieve? We, we discuss goals. We prioritize what we need to work on. So we do something effective and I, I do switch things around. But if I, uh, I like to be like, all right, this is what you do mm -hmm. and you do it. Yep. You just, you just do it. I don't want to convince you to do it. You don't have to do it. Mm. If you, if you, if you don't want to do it, just leave. I don't care. It's fine. But I, and this is in this industry, I work with so many people who are so motivated mm. and I love it. I don't have to tell anybody to do anything. I, if, if anything, I need to tell them, take a deload or don't train as much, mm. you know, I guess with, I love it. With those type of people, you can focus more about the um, actual practice and the art and trying to trying to modify the art for, for them. Right. But it's there you go. It sounded like uh, when we're talking about these principles in this discussion that when you first have these conversations with people seeking coaching, you have to kind of clear a lot of misconceptions or maybe mistakes that they're making within their, their training. Like maybe one being, being rest and, you know, training everyday mobility, that sort of thing. Are there like other sort of really common mistakes that you see people um, make or, or maybe things they believe when they come to you, when they, they ask you for things that you have to try and, work or tr try to teach them about it's it's mostly the thing that the thing that pops up mostly is like i i need to train every day and then you just correct that um and apart from that it's not really mistakes i have a lot of women who come from more passive styles of training who just feel like they benefit a lot out of this and maybe wish they knew this a little bit sooner Mm. um as as you know they they kind of get stuck in training but they're already good don't get me wrong they kind of get stuck through some yoga practices or whatever and uh 
the, the, the misconception maybe could be that you don't really know that you could also gain range through strength because mm. you've you've been doing the really passive things for a long time and then at the uh, at one point the body's like eh, like you don't get enough of stimulus and then you know it helps them uh to understand that this strength thing really is a thing and mm. uh, i've got a lot of women improving really good just by adding a little bit of strength yeah um so that, that's pretty awesome um but actually more common mistakes I, I i have a lot of people who already know a lot about what they're doing as well hmm. so like i would say a lot of people are um maybe nearing intermediate mm -hmm. i have really beginners who i need to explain about everything but actually like beginners beginners i would say i have more people nearing intermediate that want to go further um which is pretty awesome because they studied a lot and they know a lot and mm -hmm. um, there's not too many mistakes there unless maybe just, yeah, the way our program is different or just the exercise selection and things to get. Uh, but the, a lot of people are pretty well informed mm -hmm. and that like, is, is pretty amazing to me. But, um, but yeah, in general, you have to do only passive things to get flexible uh you have to stretch for uh, like the two minute thing this stretch two minutes that stretch two minutes that uh, is not you can do reps you could do time on attention do isometrics eccentrics you can do so many things mm. uh it doesn't have to be just a, a mobility work a flexibility work it doesn't have to be stretching i think stretching becomes more and more important as you get flexible as you get really flexible because then you can really go about time on attention then you can mm. stay for longer uh, periods of time into certain positions that mm. you have opened up maybe through strength work mm. and, and really get comfortable in these ranges ah. so it's really important the passive stuff mm -hmm. uh to get the brain calm to just stay there and sleep there and work there mm -hmm. but um but you know overcoming the stretch reflex maybe strength is a good way of doing that like people really don't know that uh a lot of the times um so i would think yeah that's that's kind of uh, and also like i am i am just not flexible mm. i hear that a lot like <laughs> i am just not flexible it's not my as more more the people i work with because they see my instagram then or whatever and mm. a lot of people tell you like yeah I, i'm just not flexible like yeah how 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 many minutes a day do you stretch or work on your mobility mm. oh never okay but how you know of course yeah i i wasn't flexible because i never did yeah. shit you know and it's we're all flexible <laughs> at some point in our lives like if you maintain mm. it it's it's if flexibility is something you you take for granted because it's so fucking easy and then we're getting older and we want to get into this this thing that we're doing and mm -hmm. then it takes years to fucking get uh, <laughs> certain positions like yeah yeah it, it's a bit funny that one because i feel like when people see feats of strength or something like that it's a bit more like oh like i could get strong but i would just have to do the work but then on the flexibility mm -hmm. side it's like oh no like i just i'm not flexible I, no like for some reason the the dots for that attribute like strength and flexibility doesn't yeah. doesn't tick over 
Yeah, that's interesting indeed. It doesn't connect. Like, oh yeah, I'm not flexible. Never been. And my parents are really not flexible as well. Like, yeah, of course. What have they done? You know, like nobody <laughs> is. Ugh. That's a hard discussion. And they stick. If if you tell them as a coach, somebody who knows stuff, you know, mm-hmm. if you tell them like it's probably not that. It's probably just you know, you haven't addressed it. You haven't mm-hmm. maintained it. They're like, no, I'm just not flexible. <laughs> They just believe you know, Anna, you're you're wrong. Fuck that. That's funny, man. So when people come to you for um for you know so coaching and programming, how, how do you normally approach I guess programming the work? You know, you, you mentioned say like a really common one, let's say for for example, would be, you know, I want to open up my shoulders for handstands, yeah. Like like what what would that kind of look like? You mentioned a few techniques, mm. that sort of stuff, like rotation. Um, would this be like you just give them a couple of sessions per week? Yeah, maybe take us through that process of how, or maybe the questions as well that you would ask to understand how to program for that particular person. Mm. Well, I've got I've got some different strategies that I use. I, I Programming-wise, I either work in a rotating system Hmm. Where, for example, you have you have only two workouts, but you you perform them three times a week. So you have workout A and workout B, and they're two different positions. Mm-hmm. Can be uh, uh, no split and backbend or whatever. And then uh, week one you do A B A, and week two you do B A B. So you mm-hmm. do. Yes, yeah, so you do something twice a week and something once a week, mm. but the other week it switches around. It's really good for people who, because there, there are those people that say like, I can't, I just cannot, I cannot train more than three sessions a week from, uh, for about an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and they still want to get uh, decent gains, you know, like they, they want to address some things like you could, you could even, if you, if you, you then you really go looking for bang for your buck exercises. Hmm. And you work, for example, back bend and front split related in one session, like middle split compression or something like that. Um, and and this, this, the rotating system is so good because you know it's twice a week, once a week, twice a week, once a week, twice a week, once a week, and so they get a good stimulus in without getting overworked. Hmm. Um, I I really like that approach for for people who are a little bit low on time. And um, and see, it's it's never too much. It's it's because because you know if you're working a lot of things, if you're working like backbends and front splits mm-hmm. in one session, you just go for bang for your buck exercises. So they're not gonna do a crazy lot of work, mm-hmm. and still, it's really good to progress. But then uh, a lot of people also come to me like I have a lot of people tell me I've got two hours a day, six days a week. Mm-hmm. I go, all right cool and then it's probably not going to be that much however some i if if i program full body in in another way it's going to be probably five days a week but you're going to address like because in the rotating system that i just described mm-hmm. like if your goal is for example a back band a front split a middle split like if you go for the for the bang for your buck drills like there's not going to be any shoulder extension in there you don't really need it like it's mm-hmm you're going to look at flexion, internal rotation, thoracic extension, hip extension, but you're not going to address the, the, um, the extension side or probably not even the external rotation. Even if you, uh, 
even you have to do external rotation to get in a bridge, but you only mm -hmm. need so minimal external rotation that I would even drop it out. So some people want more of a complete package. Mm. And then I'll just go, you know, I'll program five days a week. I want to give people two rest days. Like mm. I don't, I don't program more than five days a week. Yeah. And it's just a split, man. Like it's, you're going to do every position like once or twice a week. And I prefer for most things like once a week, for example, like one solid backbend session mm -hmm. or backbend focus, you know, that's, all kinds of drills that are related to backbend. So for me, that's shoulder flexion, shoulder internal rotation, thoracic extension, uh, maybe lumbar extension, um, hip extension. Mm -hmm. Can be all separately for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then maybe at one point we're adding it in one all together. That's, that's then good shit. Then it starts going fast. But like one good backbend session, one good middle split session. Um, one front split session should it be uh that you're training front splits you know mm -hmm. and maybe a day with some where you have some some repeat work you know um and addressing some of the counterparts like the shoulder extension as well um and some skinny cats i love me some skinny cats i have a lot of people doing skinny cats <laughs> it's such an amazing drill i love it it's good for strength it's yeah. just you know to strengthen mm -hmm. the elbows the biceps it's awesome man yeah, and, I was going to uh, ask you a little bit about like the your thoughts on maybe structural balance, you know, th that concept if, you know, you're just yeah. training a lot about, you, you just mentioned, you know, with shoulder flexion, then you don't need extension. But at some point, like, I guess maybe extension is also is also good or do you believe in that sort of thing that like we should be training in all sorts of ranges and then if you're training flexion, you should do with extension mm. and, and things like that? Yeah. I, I, I personally, I, I, I've seen so many weird things that I don't think that you need structural balance per se. Um, I know people that only do pushing, never pulling, and they're perfectly fine. No, no, no problems, no mm -hmm. injuries. Um, then if you have certain goals, and you're really specific about your goals and really want to achieve them, maybe you're going to do a lot of things and spend a lot of time chasing those goals mm -hmm. and work in a non-structural way, like skipping extension completely and doing all of the flexion work. I know plenty of people like that, like zero extension and then so much flexion uh, for back bends. Like if, for example, pole dancers that I train mm -hmm. that have, crazy back bends but then the arm goes like if you try the arm goes like eh, done and yeah you know mm -hmm. people who you know high if you're if you're a high level athlete you're gonna get some problems sooner or later mm -hmm. um if you if you spend hours a day in a gym you have you you know the body's gonna start complaining sooner or later but is it structural balance i'm not always sure because i p see people that are super unbalanced that have no problems and people who try to be balanced that still have problems it's it's a hard one i think we don't really know i think mm. we don't really know um uh, but um i was gonna mention one more thing and i kind of forgot i yeah if you look at the body and how we how we adapt over the course of like for me 33 years towards mm -hmm. this 
life. My right hand has done all the priority tasks and that mm. secondary task. Like no way am I going to be ever balanced. Like a human, I don't think a human is ever balanced. And there's, there's systems that strive towards as much symmetrical uniformity as possible. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't know. It's, I, I don't look at that. I don't look at it this way. I look at it this way and that's, I care about if your joints more or less can do the things that you want them to do. Mm-hmm. So if people really, really are stuck in certain positions, for example, that anterior tilt, like you're super stuck there, but you cannot mm-hmm. for the life of you push your tilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we need to do some push your tilt. Just open up that range and with it is going to come you know more degrees of freedom for example if you come out of your squat you're going to be t- be able to mm-hmm. tuck under a little bit you know save your spine a little bit that sort of stuff which is very good mm-hmm. uh but it could be that we fix that posterior tilt completely you have all the degrees of freedom but for example your posture is still going to be that anterior tilt all mm-hmm. of the time but you're able now to do the posterior tilt mm-hmm. but posture is just habit Mm. so i i don't care about posture at all um but can your joint do something yeah okay we're gonna look at that like mm. if, if you're really stuck in certain things we're gonna look at that but, yeah i guess uh, you know outside of your training session you know we're doing we're still moving or not moving right in all these different ways that we're mm. aware or yeah. unaware of right like i'm right handed as well right so like i always have to be aware say like with um hand standing and loading the wrist like no matter what i yeah. do it's it's super strong but it's always got like a little bit of soreness in this spot as compared to the left like and i just can't rid- yeah. get rid of it yeah so it's one of these things and also sleeping man like i sleep flat on my belly with my head this way i've done <laughs> it for years and oftentimes there's an arm under my head as well like in a strange position and, mm-hmm. but like my neck is always like this and that's eight hours a day you don't you know eight hours a night or nine yeah. hours that is powerful man like my this is hard i try to i I work on it a little bit though to you know Mm -hmm. keep the neck a little bit happy uh that's one of my problems there is like neck throat uh traps from handstands so Mm. sore i don't really spend enough time on it and then you sleep like cranked you know like this it's uh no it's just gonna it's gonna be a difference it's gonna be a difference i think this also one of the wider realizations that you have as you get deeper into the practice more aware of your body that you go ah shit some of the things i can't out practice because like i'm always still like it's my posture like i just keep on doing that as well and that takes a lot of work i think you know like to change the way you sleep right that's going to be that's so hard i haven't really looked into it but yeah i don't Mm. i think it's going to be it needs to be, you need to be mindful so hard mm. to, to change a posture. So even if you like the people, the desk workers that want to change that posture, they need to work on, on, all right, you need to work on your shoulders strength wise, your hips mm. and stuff, posture till external rotation, those types of things. But then also you need to be constantly thinking about mm. the posture you want to change because your habits going to be dead. Mm. So that's two things you have to do and you practically have to do it the entire day. Mm -hmm. Like, good luck with that. (laughs) If you want to do it, it works. It goes. I had, I usually, this is a funny story though. Like I had, uh, I used to train bodybuilding. I had a a guy that was uh, 
a really, he was a competitive bodybuilder. He was my training partner. And um, I would always slouch my shoulders forward. Mm-hmm. And every training, he would, he would tap my shoulder. He would say, he said, uh, shoulders back. He'd just say, as well as a postural thing, like be mm-hmm. proud, you know, like don't be so slouchy. And it literally changed my posture. Because mm. he would say it six days a week. Yeah. For the one and a one hour and a half, two hours that we're in the gym, he would say it to me. And so I, it, it, it became, I, st- I still have like that yeah. uh, you know, shoulder back thing going on. Like I haven't had it since. Like the dude was harassing me for years. Like. So, yeah, and, and it probably made the difference that he was, you know, like this big guy you looked up to that was like telling yeah. you off. So you're like, oh, okay, I better, I better do this. Yeah, there you go. He was like, he won a couple of competitions. He was like really huge. And um, of course, I was a couple of years younger. So that's your goal there. So mm. it makes a difference for sure. Yeah. That's mm. funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, when, when thinking about the, like, um, maybe what, people focus a lot like with the shoulder and the, and the hip joints, like you mentioned a little bit with unlocking the shoulders about internal rotation. Um, maybe can you expand a little bit on that concept of the role of rotation within like either the shoulder joint and the, and the hip joint Say if like, yeah, you yeah. wanted a really deep back bend or, or shoulder flexion or mm. say for the, for the hips, like you wanted a, mm. you know, Van Dam middle split, like what's the role yeah. of ro- rotation with those mo- yeah. movements? That's a very interesting one. Um, and most of my knowledge is, um, you know, is experience. It's just mm-hmm. practical. I just see a lot of things. And then, you know, if a lot of people demonstrate that one thing, I'm going to go with it and just, mm-hmm. you know, this is probably true. Um, so I don't read science at all. But um, the thing is, for shoulders, there's a super big link between internal rotation and flexion, just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you see people that have mad internal rotation, they're going to flex well automatically. If you see people that have mad flexion, mad flexion, you're going to assume they're going to have really good internal rotation as well. Mm. And if not, if it's a bit off, you can assume that if you train it for just a couple of weeks, tiny bit of weeks, it's going to be legendary. So um, that's, that's one of these. If I, if I, for example, if I test internal rotation on a person and they score good in different benchmarks, for example, the hand behind back, mm-hmm. they're really high up their back. They score good in like an eagle hang where you internally rotate narrow mm-hmm. and grab a bar. And they score good in a sleeper stretch laying on your side and bring your hand towards the floor. I probably know that if I get you, you know, in a tuck position on the floor with your, your forehead touching the floor mm-hmm. and hands at shoulder width grabbing a dowel, mm-hmm. I know that you're going to lift that stick really high because you kind of break the stick a little bit, internally rotate and flex super high. Mm. they're just going to do it. You know it. If you look at good internal rotation and if they don't do it, they need cueing. Like, all right, traps need to come together, bring this, break the stick a little bit. They're gone. Um, and if you look at, if I see, you know, if you look at people, their internal rotation is shit. They're never going to have good flexion. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so hard. Like you need to train it some way or another. 
But, uh, and this is something that just through experience, it, it came to be like, it came to my attention. And I started focusing more on internal rotation because, you know, flexion is, it's such a big link. I just see it time and time again. And that's why I don't care about external rotation and back bends. Because if you want really good back bends, you need a shoulder that internal, internally rotates and flexes, not externally rotates and flexes. Mm. Um, and some people think, I'm, you know, there's, there's people that believe it's, you know, flexion relates to fle- uh, external rotation. Mm-hmm. But I have all the external rotation in the world. Like my shoulders really go far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my flexion has been a, a struggling point my entire life. Like it's, it's because they don't internally rotate, um, which I'm addressing now and seeing good results. Um, but um, the hips then is really important. It's, it's interesting. It can help. It can, you know, I've had people doing internal rotation drills who were stuck in their pancake and all of a sudden they go way deeper. Um, but you, you, it doesn't seem like you need internal rotation nor external rotation to have perfect front splits and middle splits. Because mm. I, I know people on both ends of the spectrum um, that are, you know, some people just don't have internal rotation. Like it's, it can be something structural, whatever, injury, um, still have perfect splits, front and middle. And I have people, know people, External rotation usually helps, though, to get splits mm-hmm. and pancakes. Um, but I know people like shit external rotation still have both. So there's less of a clear visible link mm-hmm. than than is with the shoulder. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. I guess. And it's like. Sorry, you go. <laughs> yeah. And um, for example, internal rotation of the hip is something that goes a lot of times with men. Women tend to keep it for a long period of time. My mother can still do a W sit and she does nothing ever of sports. Um, so more men, but like it's, if you want mad internal rotation as a, as a guy, let's say I want a perfect W sit, like it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a long time and it's a lot of effort. And if, if you can like slowly progress towards more internal rotation, there is physios that say that you cannot improve internal rotation on a, on a male human being that has lost it. I, I've heard it from my physio, and I, I think that's bullshit. I think you can, but you just need very targeted approach over a long time. And you mm. also need to realize that you're going to uh, – internal rotation is also adductor tolerance. So you're going to be burning out your adductors uh, through specific drills. 90-90 is all right. Your adductors are – are pretty fine it's more like glute work if you if you do it there but but if you start doing some certain uh, w sit drills adductor is going to be taxed as hell mm. and let's say you also want to want to have middle split as a goal if you then it's uh, i don't think it's beneficial to train and that internal rotation and middle split so most people just opt for middle splits i i don't really have people doing mad internal rotation work and middle splits in in the same program mm-hmm. I just I just go middle splits first because also it's adductor tolerance so if your adductors are really tolerable and you have kind of this 
you are nearing your splits, you're going to also have an easier time adjusting to internal rotation work. Mm. Um, and in contrast to the FRC who says you need to do joint rotation first, which they have a point. It's the deepest stuff. It's, it's the first things that communicate with the spinal cord. So that's very scientifically looked at. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at it practically, I think it makes more sense to do middle splits first and then clean it up through very good internal rotation work. I, that's carefully said is just yeah. at this moment, my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because sometimes you, you hear a lot about being, this internal rotation being heralded as like, you know, the magic movement of the hips, you know, the secret to unlocking the hips do do more yeah. internal rotation. Um, yeah. and, I'm, and I must say, when I work that, like, and then you go into a squat, it feels nicer, right? Right. Like if you pray yeah. with internal rotation, that sort of thing. And so Hell sometimes yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe there is something to this. Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely, it's, it, you look at people with very good internal rotation, and you see the, the degrees of freedom that, I, for example, in the bottom range of a deep squat, like mm. the hips have so much room as where you, you do not have any internal rotation, there's, there's way less margin mm-hmm. uh, to move, you, you see it's way more comfortable in that internally rotated position. And you can definitely do some, some internal rotation work. Um, at any point, especially if it burns out the glute more than the adductors, I think it's it's really good to do. And I program it for a lot of people, but it's like basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then just to get that basic thing going, but like the heavy internal rotation work, eh, I leave it for later. <laughs> That's just my thing. Do you ever get anybody kind of coming to you and just going, yeah, I want to train internal rotation? It seems like a strange request, I think. <laughs> Oh, no, actually it does. It does. Uh, females who are struggling a little bit with the W shit that want to mm. be able to do it, it does happen. Um, no, there's actually quite some people. That, and of course, if people say like, if I, I make people prioritize their mm. mobility goals mm. always. So I kind of know like, all right, we've got X amount of time. We've got X amount of priorities. Let's see what we can realistically achieve here. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if internal rotation is, uh, is up there, I'm going to... I mean, we're definitely doing that. Um, yeah. And what are your thoughts in terms of like juggling mobility training with other types of training? You have to be smart about it. Um, it's, um, yeah, every, it works, you know, and of course, like we're, you have a lot of people that are not constantly in a gym. Of course, my mm. life is, uh, revolves around this something and i have i have the uh, opportunities if i want to i, I grab a sauna I, uh, well i had, i'm planning on getting one in my home that will be sweet but mm. no you know i have time for recovery measures you know and mm. all of the things and and more time for training a lot of people have only this amount of time and you really need to make good choices uh, but then there's also a lot of people that have a lot of time and I think it fits well together, but at some point, at some level, you're going to have some, you know, if you have such mixed goals, like you want to get crazy strong, uh, let's say squats, deadlifts, and Nordic curls, Mm -hmm. but you also want to have mad compression in the sense that, you know, you're, you're not too good at it now. Maybe you're barely touching your feet with your fingers. Well, the process is going to take you longer. 
Mm -hmm. um, and the, and, the, and the, the road to compression is just going to take you longer. Mm -hmm. But then so you need to also be spewing up. Like, that's not going to work. Uh, you're going to be so sore from the Nordics, and then that's the shortening hamstring. It's so short. And then you need to do Jefferson curls. Like, yeah, you need to just play with those. Like, at least give two days in between on both sides, uh, let it recover a little bit. But it works. It does work. I have a client that has like, uh, he's crazy big on calisthenics. He's really good at it as well. He's a teacher and um, he does a lot of calisthenics, a lot of leg strength, a lot of upper body strength, planches, muscle ups, heavy squats, deadlifts, all that stuff. And uh, it just took out, it was a little bit of figuring out, like you need to communicate with the client, especially a high level athlete like that. Like he knows mm -hmm. his body, of course. I'm, I don't need to baby him and just tell him everything he needs to do. We need to have a dialogue on how we can make this program work. So it took a little bit of figuring out like how much volume can you handle realistically? Because he also loves to train like me. And sometimes he's like, mm -hmm. I made the mistake of, uh, I made one little mistake. Like he, um, I programmed something for him for twice a week. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I need this three times a week. It's so good. And um, I was like, it's a lot in my mind. But I was like, okay, you know your body. Like, let's do it. And like a couple of weeks later, he's like, yeah, realistically, I can only do it twice a week. <laughs> and like, you, you know these things, but it takes some figuring out. Sometimes people who do heavy, heavy strength take some figuring out. Usually then again, like, less is more in the mobility work, but really intense and with good intent. Like mm -hmm. one uh, compression session, for example, is multiple exercises. It's intense. It's with very good intent. You really suffer through it. Mm -hmm. And then you rest for the entire week. And then you do it again. And the same with middle splits and, and those types of things. Like just once a week and just hard. Um, and yeah, like you can still make progress. It's, it's going to take a little longer. I, li I like that. It just seems to clarify in a boss easy to understand uh fashion it's like you know when you do it you do it well you do it hard and then you just yeah. rest yeah that's that's great just train recover repeat is uh, such a good thing like recovery mm. i'm every program i send out i'm like this is i started doing this recently like, just be give that um, put the exclamation po uh, point on on like this is what I think you need um, it's an estimated guess so recovery is key if I write you an eight-week program if at any point something is not starting to feel good or you know you start to feel work just take a deload wherever that is you know, if it's in week four, it's in week four. You just take a deal and then re uh, repeat and we just add a, a week on your term. It's perfectly fine. And then just, or if you have two sessions over one position in a week and it's an eight week program, if after three weeks, you're still sore from the first session, you just skip the session. You don't have to do anything. You know, if your body is not feeling it, you don't do it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, a, that's something good. And, but you need to tell people. Because they are paying for a program that you've written. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's mentally even harder because they want to stick to the program. They're motivated. It's like, yeah. ah, coach says it's, it's Friday compression day and Monday, for example. And it works well for three, four weeks. And then oh, I'm, I'm actually still sore from Friday's work and into Monday now. Mm. 
but they're going to do it because they listen to your coach, you know? <laughs> so you need to tell them that they can make that decision. Like you can rest, hmm. skip a day. It's better. It's better even, you know? I yeah. love that because um, I think it's so often whenever you start everything that, or anything that at the start, you know, you're really motivated. It's something new. It's new stimulus. So, you know, your body can sort of handle it for that first month, let's, let's say, right. And then you kind of like, Oh, it's so great. Gains are coming. But I think the, the art of programming and programming well, right. Is how do you keep on going in the long term? How do you keep on going upward curve over many, many years? Yeah, definitely. And you, you do that through, through deloading when you feel it's needed. And if you start thinking like, ah, oh, maybe I need it, you probably need it. And, um, and, and skipping some exercises or skipping an entire workout once in a while. Because if my program says all of this work, it's, it's where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. It's maybe not exactly where you're at right now. So I want you to build up to this drill and these amount of sets and reps and build up to this mm. and that. But if it's that, if it's not you right now, if I say 60 seconds, it could be 45. And then maybe in three weeks, it can be 60. Mm. So like learning how to understand your body is so important. And I, I try and push people into, into um, realizing that, that they, they need to watch the signals and of course you give a little bit of a different rep range, like three to five sets, you know, choose, choose mm. what's, whatever is good. That's also good. Um, Cause yeah, you can't have people having the feeling too much that they're failing. You know, like mm-hmm. if I say like three by 90 seconds, but you can only manage 30, like that's not going to be motivated. <laughs> yeah. But uh, still, you know, you, you need to, if it's not working, you just build up to it. That's, Mm. that's where I want you to be eventually. And, and if pe- the people that understand that the best, they get the best results. Mm. They're like, Hey coach, like they don't even ask to me like, Hey coach, I just, uh, yeah, I did a deload. I did a week of nothing cause I really started to feel worked and now I'm back at it. I feel stronger than ever. Here's my progress videos. Like that's good. I just added a week to your term and it's that that's perfect. But, some people just want to train so hard and I've been there. I, I am the same person, mm-hmm. but um, sometimes rest, rest is so important. So what's and it your... also depends. Um, sorry. Yeah, it also depends like how, what, what's your life, man? How mm. stressed out are you? How, how stressful is your job? Do you have to, two young children that keep you up all night? Like mm. you have to look at all these things. What are you eating? Like, all these things play such a role in on, on recovery. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's important to keep in mind as well. I was going to ask you what are maybe some of your key tips when, you know, sitting in the deload week, you know, you're kind of itching there because you're like, oh, I really want to train. How do you get yourself through it? Maybe for the listeners, Dude, what, are, I, what are your top drills to pass the time? I'm I'm one of these people. I get so fucking lazy, bro. Like it's 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 like I'm on or off or whatever. Like. Um, I, I want to train I, and I get itchy, but what I end up doing is laying in the couch for an entire fucking day or catching up <laughs> on work, you know, but like I, I, get, I watch like, 
I watch like a bunch of podcasts, like uh, uh, who's been on Joe Rogan, like I just watch that. I, I maybe do some, like a lot of the times, this is the, the thing. Like I tell myself, I, I don't train, I don't do anything. I, I do a lot of recovery, like soft tissue work and stuff. And I tell myself, you're allowed to do some soft tissue work here and there. Um, I don't do any of that. I, I even don't, I don't do it. And, and even if I want to train, but like, it's like the switch is off. I can't train. So I don't even like get my soft tissue tool. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not the best one for it. Cause I'm, I, I get so lazy and I, I don't know what to do with my life. And then I'm probably annoying at my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think that's a nice ability to have though, to really switch on and, and switch off, you know, yeah. I think getting stuck in between sometimes when you're kind of doing something or kind of not, then it's not the most effective. No, indeed. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. Like what does your personal practice look like at the moment? Like what are you working on? I am working on actually I'm, 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 I'm doing a lot of basics. I'm doing a lot of mobility basics. Like even if you look at my Instagram and you see some advanced drills here and there, not too many, but like I'm probably even even doing a little bit more regressed versions of all of those now. Because mm. I really wanted to I really wanted to get my body feel really good. Mm-hmm. And um just in general. I wanna I've been known to push myself hard and um, I had this shoulder injury like 11 or 12 months ago, probably 12 months ago by now. And um, it kind of caught me by surprise because usually uh, when I get injuries, I know what I'm my own fault. And I, it kind of caught me off guard. It, it was always since I started years back, it was different. It moved different. It was just something different with it. But And in some ranges, it would hurt a bit, but like it wasn't extreme. So all of a sudden, it just stopped. Mm-hmm. Stopped. I had I had pain in flexion, extension, external rotation. Internal rotation would be quite all right, like, but mm-hmm. all the other areas, like everything, would hurt like bad. And I I was like thinking, oh, this is this is not good. I don't I don't like this at all. Um, had an MRI. Had some people look at it. Nobody knew what it was. Kind of mm-hmm. demotivating. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was like the last kind of injury that I felt like started rethinking a little bit. And I, w- and I really sat down. I was like, all right, how can I regress everything and make it like solid? Mm-hmm. I'm going to revisit all the basics and just do them until like I feel I want to finish the session and still feel quite good. Mm-hmm. That's my new, my new, my new thing. Um, and I started doing it and I started strengthening my shoulder through what, what I could do. I could, I could like lean in a handstand a little bit towards the one shoulder and then a little bit towards the other shoulder without Mm -hmm. pain. So I actually started doing a little bit of one arm practice, uh, which is really fun, but so hard. I'm not the best handstander, Mm. but it's, it's okay. You know, it's going to take a long time. It's fine. (laughs) I do handstands. I do handstands four times a week. I cannot do more. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that think. This is just me, but there's there's a lot of people who are very into you know six days a week, and mm-hmm. even as a, somebody that starts handstands, and I know that like all the pros, they probably do one day off Sunday and the rest is just handstands. Mm. 
but I, I don't, I don't see it working. I can't, I cannot do it. If I do more than four days, I, I just wake up with chronic soreness and just, I, mm. my, everything starts feeling bad, elbows, shoulders, like I can't do anything else. Plus I do the mobility work. Like, so I do four, four days a week of handstands. My mobility work is very split up. I'm working my internal rotation and flexion at the moment, which is really improving a lot. And I'm really happy about it because the, the old shoulder here couldn't do it for so long. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been improving ever since I arrived in, 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 uh, in Australia a couple of months ago. So mm-hmm. that was awesome. Uh, just a basic split, like some, some front split work. I do a lot of long lunges, mm-hmm. so a lot of leg lifts. I do, you know, actually every, every part of my body gets trained in like a split that is not too, mm-hmm. too taxing. Handstands mm-hmm. and a, a little bit of strength. I do a little bit of front lever, although I, I tend to forget it. So it's probably every <laughs> other week I tend to forget it. I try and strengthen my scaps through one arm holds. Like I, I do kind of, it's a little bit of boring strength work, just like mm. one arm holds, active position, hang, mm-hmm. strengthening my scaps. Cause I, I do push a lot, mm. a little bit of planche training. Cause it's good for handstands, but not, nothing too, too crazy. Like I take my strength pretty lightly. I do, um, I love Pelican pushups. Is mm-hmm. that the name? Yeah. The bicep curl thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love those. Uh, but I need to care, be careful. Like I get strong fast, but I need to be careful for my elbow. So I, it's very mm. in and out. Like mm. I do it when I feel good and then I rest for a little while and then I do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of it. So I, I do kind of a lot of things, mm. um, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty chill with it. I, uh, the, the focus is still improving the mobility and, and awareness of what I'm doing and giving good cues to people and like, understanding all the drills and with the strength and the handstand is more play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to do anything. I just, yeah. I love it though. Like, so I'll I'll definitely do stuff, but Mm -hmm. it's less way to focus on. I need to teach this. So I need to be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I I like that. It's like you really focusing on this stuff, especially for the focus of teaching and helping others as well, because then that that changes the practice as well, right? Like when you're going and engaging with it and how you're thinking about it. Um, Yeah. Are there any areas as well that you're looking to learn more into or somebody that you're looking to as well that you want to find out a bit more going forward? Oh, well, yeah, there's definitely, I, I want to learn more about anything and everything. Uh, I've learned a lot, but I think I can learn so much more. Um, and actually, I've been on the waiting list for Emmett's coaching for two years plus. I think it's a long time. <laughs> it's more than, it's, I think it's definitely more than two years by now, man. It's mm. like, I've been on it for long and I really want to take that box off. I want to have some coaching directly from Emmett. I've done mm-hmm. a, a very good workshop with him and I, I learned a lot. He's really clever, but I want to see how he addresses my body. I would love to work with him and just, yeah just see what he does, you know, to my body. Like, uh, I think he's one of the smarter, smarter programmers out there. So, um, mm-hmm. that probably be good. Um, so that's like first on the list. I, and then, but yeah, uh, I would have taught, um, 
Yeah, I'm just waiting on that. I'm waiting on that for now. Mm. And then after that, I don't know. There's a couple of people that I have my eye on, uh, but nothing to, you know, I really stoked on trying to work mm -hmm. with Emmett. Yeah. And then, then I'll see. Yeah. You might have to jump on a plane and try and hunt, hunt him down or, you know, tap him on the shoulder yeah. when you find him. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The guy's hard to get. No, he, no, he's a really friendly dude. You know, if you send him a message, he replies. It's uh, pretty awesome. It's, uh, it's just like, he's good. People tend to, people tend to stick with him for a long mm -hmm. period of time. That's just, his, his retention of clients is true to roof. It's amazing. Mm. People like they sign up for half a year, end up, uh, I don't know, training two, three years is perfect. Yeah, really yeah. good. I think that's the sign mm. of a good coach, right? I think so. Yes, I would assume mm. so. Yeah. So maybe take us through like what's been happening with you know your adventures through Bali and Australia. Um, yeah, what sort of started drawing you over to to this side of the world? Oh man, it's it's that, that's, that's funny. I. I'm, I've, I've always been a little bit of a scared boy, you know, like growing up, like the, the confidence wasn't all there and I didn't really travel mm -hmm. when I was in my twenties. I, I didn't travel at all. I think like I really, um, it's something I found like getting just older and just, yeah, realizing the world is, is damn bigger than mm -hmm. this fucking place. Uh, and actually the one thing that was so good is I got invited by Harry Holistic Movement on Instagram. Mm -hmm. He sent me a message like I don't know when, two years and a two years and a half back maybe. He was like, "Hey, dude, we are just um, organizing a someone somebody for from Perth who rented the big ass villa mm -hmm. in Bali." And they just sent out messages to a lot of people they knew from Instagram mm -hmm. or vaguely knew that were practitioners. Mm -hmm. It was like, we're all coming together, like 18 people or whatever in this villa in Bali. You should come. The only thing we want is you prepare a little workshop mm -hmm. about a topic that you know. So for me, I was, I was, uh, I, I was, I only had the FRC cert under my name back then, so I didn't really have too much experience. But I was like, all right, I'm going to do something about mobility and do the FRC thing. And, um, and so I flew out there and I met like a bunch of people mm -hmm. that are very talented in what they do. And, you know, what I realized is I saw a lot of drive uh, in, a, in a field this, this movement industry that mm -hmm. I was very, very interested in as well. And I, I do not find this here in Belgium. Mm -hmm. I have no friends that are like that, than like the international community. I have no friends here. Like, my, like my colleagues at work, they do completely different things. Mm -hmm. Things maybe like uh, more bodybuilding or health coaching is completely different things. Mm -hmm. So all these dudes with like this amazing knowledge and, passion and just amazing skill as well people are fucking it you know they're good at what they're doing man like i was i was like feeling what the hell am i doing here like <laughs> and um and yeah so we kind of started working together mm -hmm. so so then i i wrote a program for this guy and he and for dominic for origins.nutrition mm -hmm. and the carnivore guy he he wrote me a program because i was actually pretty inflamed back then Mm -hmm. and 
not a good diet and an autoimmune disease that I had, like that mm. set me off. Like my, my body was fighting my, mm. my large intestine. So bad, pretty, pretty rough shape, especially the autoimmune disease wasn't good. I was on medication already for two years. And so he fixed that just through nutrition. I was like, what? This is fucking, <laughs> this is, this is crazy. And he was so sure. He was like, yeah, you just write me a mobility program and I fix your autoimmune disease. I was like, really? Like, is that, is that <laughs> something that you fucking do through nutrition? Like, I don't know. Like, but I was like, all right, if you're that confident, I'm like, okay, let's try it. Right. Fixed it. Haven't had any problems since. It's, it's, mm. I don't know. It's more than, it's, it's two years after, uh, you know, so that's perfect. And because we started working together, we started developing like some friendships and, um, yeah, you talk to some people here, to some people there, and then like, oh, you want to come over, do a workshop here, and like, it's so easy to network, and mm-hmm. and yeah, we just started doing things together, so Australia seemed like the right, the right place to be, and then uh, my first trip was great, I did a couple of workshops, there was no corona, like I stayed at different places, mm-hmm. it, was, it was awesome, and then I kind of got it, like, I love the scene in Australia for sure. Mm. Um, so many gyms that are so good in what they're doing. And so, you know, good GSD, good teachers, good handstands, good mobility. Um, very nice to see. And a good community around it as well. Mm. Like, again, in Belgium, we don't have that here. Like, it's, it's not, we don't have that. And I've, I've been to, you know, a couple other countries, but like Australia sticks out to me. Mm. It's a great place to be. And Bali as well. Like there's, you know, Devin, Dom, there's, there's a lot of people there uh, that are really uh, like Dom and Nettie and, and Devin, which is incredibly smart human being mm-hmm. uh, with a very good practice of his own. And you can, you can learn a lot from people like that. And mm-hmm. Yeah. I love surrounding myself with those types of people. And then, yeah, very, Bali is kind of a small little paradise, you know, like, life's good weather is good mm-hmm. rent's cheap you find good food nirvana is great i love training in nirvana strength uh, um do you know that place yeah I've, I've been um it's come up on my radar i think either via yeah seeing on your journeys or somebody else's and that's yeah always, it's, since seeing that yeah it's been one of those places where you're like oh bro, so, yeah like a bali it's trip so would be nice <laughs> It is. And I, I definitely recommend it because like, it's one of these things where, you know, you are nearby in a little house and your rent is, is pretty cheap hmm. and the weather is good. So then you, you drive or walk to Nirvana, mm-hmm. which is like this big gym and they're still expanding. So it's becoming even bigger, which um, pretty much has all you need. And you walk in the door, you, you tell the, 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 the friendly female behind the desk, you tell her, I want a coconut, please. And she <laughs> gives you this fresh coconut. You just sip your coconut and you, do, and you train for a couple of hours. Then you sit yourself outside or maybe swim or, or take an ice bath. And you sit yourself outside and they bring you fucking, you can order, you can order anything you want. Like if I, I went carnivore to heal my autoimmune issues and man, i get just fresh fish beef patties eggs bacon some cheese just brought to you and it's just a life man it's so good 
I'd, I'd see myself living there, man. Like it's really <laughs> you, you know, when uh, I, when you sometimes log on and it looks like really nice and you're like, Oh, could it really be that good? And then now I'm hearing you talk about it and I'm like, God damn. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Like it's good that they have these, um, these places for, you know, more for the Western people because training mm. there ain't cheap, of course. But like, the facility is there on an, on an island that is so, um, yeah, it has a lot to offer, of course, mm. and, and just the weather and the environment, you know, there's a lot of expats, there's a lot of people that want to come and train there, so there's a lot of inter- interesting mm. people. And now that I have friends living there, it's like, um, it, it'd be good. It'd be mm. good to spend some years in, in, in Bali or whatever and just develop that practice and be around like-minded people Mm. just learn from one another and just do your job over the internet like it's so appealing um, to me yeah i think you know that community aspect is so powerful right like you can only do so much um by yourself um but then when you connect with others and what you mentioned with yeah, the, those guys who set it up and just invited people on Instagram, that, that sounds like an amazing idea um, just to really get to know people. Like, I guess, yeah, when you follow all these people and their journeys online as well, you uh, after a while, sometimes you can forget that, hey, like similar like what I did with you, you can just reach out and then connect and then learn yeah. off each oh, other yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It is. I think it was a unique experience. Like, I don't think they're going to be hosting one of these again pretty soon hmm. uh, where just one guy fronts up the money and rents out an entire villa and then like <laughs> doesn't maybe doesn't even know if everyone's going to make it or, or whatever. Hmm. You know, it's like a, like a big guess. But yeah, it worked out so fine. But it is true. Like in the in this day and age, man. I've met so many pre- people through Instagram. Like it's crazy. Mm. And they're now like my friends. I it's that that's pretty amazing how you can just uh, start talking with people and just connect with them or just see what people are doing at the other side of the world, man. And just inspire mm. you. It's so good. Mm. That is so good. Well, um, I guess coming, talking about the future, uh, yeah. Do you have any plans of returning back here to Australia or what's on the agenda for the rest of the year? Well, the rest of the year, like I'm going to spend summer here because the weather is finally getting nice. Mm. Finally, we've got a couple of months of good weather in Belgium and this is it. This is it. <laughs> so I'm fucking, I'm stoked about it. Like next week we're going to have 27 degrees, 28, sunny. Um, so I'll be here for a couple of months, but I, I really, really wanted to go to Bali um, last trip and Perth to see mm-hmm. Harry and, and uh, train there. And um, I didn't get to do it. So I hear that Bali is opening in September. Mm-hmm. So I'm planning on going to Bali for at least two months in, um, you know, October, November kind of thing, just return just before Christmas or whatever. Um, and spend a couple of the first winter months in Bali and the good weather. I think that's a good idea. It's actually maybe even better because now it's summer here. And then when the weather gets shit again, mm-hmm. I can fuck off to Bali and just still, um, still, uh, yeah, have good weather and some friends that I didn't get to see. So probably if it all works out, we'll do Bali and Perth mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the year. 
Awesome. Be nice. Well, uh, yeah. it doesn't have to even be with workshops or anything. Like I, I just want to, I just, if I meet the people that I wanted to meet uh, this year and uh, the previous trip, I'm fine. Mm. Well, hopefully everything opens up so that you can do that. And yeah, if you come across on this side of the, the woods, I'll, I'll do what I can to try and um, hopefully, yeah, see, see you in, in person as well. I've made a meaning to one. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah to go over to Perth as well for a while there. I think there is something mm. special that's happening over there. I don't know what, oh, what it is, but, um, you know, there's an, there's a, there's a host of amazing teachers and facilities over yeah. there. The community is, is big, man. Perth mm. is so many things close together. Mm. It's pretty amazing to see like all these people into the same things. It, yeah. You don't see that a lot. No, it's, it's pretty rare. man. I guess one final question would be, um, Jack Rousseau or Russell or however you pronounce it. What's the story behind that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a funny story actually. Um, so Jack Russo is, is the name and the logo is this little shoe brush here. I have it. Like, this, <laughs> this is a logo, but like two swords, uh, like, you know, like the sword thing. Um, well, first of all, like I said, uh, most Australian people have a big problem pr pronouncing my name. So um, in, uh, in Bali last year, was it last year, whatever, um, Will G from Ghetto Movement, I think, he started immediately calling me Jack because he was like, yeah, you know, trying to pronounce <laughs> my name. He's like, I, yeah, I'm never going to get it. I just call you Jack. And so him and Timmy, like his colleague, like they – they started calling me Jack pretty immediately. And then, you know, that was, that kind of was my nickname. I was like, all right, all right, Jack is fine. But in my mind, um, Jack Russo, I said, if you're going to call me Jack, call me Jack Russo. Cause in my mind, that was a famous actor, but I was totally wrong. I was, I was confusing with the, the French philosopher, uh, Jacques Rousseau is a French philosopher. Mm -hmm. So I got it all mixed up in my head. So then Jack Russo is stuck. But actually, if you look up Jack Russo on Google, it's like a bald fat guy, like, <laughs> and, and no famous actor whatsoever. So I kind of, I kind of missed the ball there. But then from that day on, it was Jack Russo, hashtag J Rus, um, mm -hmm. slash J Rus. And that was how they called me. And, uh, and it stuck, but I, I found it, actually funny so i i kind of decided you know let's roll with it and make it kind of my my brand like mm -hmm. and it's it's not a method like you know jack ruto method it's just a little bit of of marketing because i found it funny but it's just mm. everything that i've learned as a coach from my teachers and stuff i put together into one big whole of what i teach and that is the jack ruto method mm -hmm. yeah thanks so much for your time today i've uh, yeah, it's really been really refreshing to hear a lot of your yeah honest views on how to approach like a uh, a lot of the style of training that that you partake in. But also, I guess if people wanted to find out a bit more about you, you know, get into contact. What's the best way to reach out? The best way is Instagram because that's kind of the only way. Um, I am uh, very active on there. I don't really have a website uh, of myself, so Instagram. Uh, Hilderson Joachim is my, it's hard. It's probably hard. If you just hear it and you're from Australia, you're like, what the hell did he just say? Um, but yeah, that is, uh, 
that it's my address. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put the link in definitely into the show notes and wherever I put it. That will be the smart move. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, otherwise, uh, thanks, thanks so much once again. Um, and hopefully, yeah, you can over onto this side, onto Australia, maybe make it down to Melbourne as, as well sometime. Um, and yeah, it's definitely on my radar. So like, I think sooner or later, like I'll, I'll be in Melbourne for sure. So we can meet up if uh, possible. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Joachim. I'll catch you later. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap. That's episode 15 of The Passive Hang. Thanks for sticking around all the way to the very end. Hope you guys enjoyed that chat. Hope you guys got a lot out of it because I did as well, listening back on that chat as well. More guests to come in future episodes, as always. If you've been enjoying these podcasts, please remember to like, follow, and share it. Put the word out there. really helps me connect with more people as well, which is one of the primary purposes of doing this podcast. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm always available. You can reach me on Instagram, at Fayon P. That's at P-H-A-O-N-P. Thanks, guys.